0: Hello and welcome Nationals fans to the Dogcast. Hopefully you're all still in awe at Max Scherzer on Saturday, despite the rest of the series. I'm your host, Blake Finney, and I hope I wasn't the only one watching tape of 16 and 17-year-olds this week. Joining me on the podcast today, we couldn't get rid of him, but we're definitely glad to have him back. It's Ron Juckett. How are you doing, Ron? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing great, thanks. We'll uh, we'll move on from my opening line uh, and we'll look back at the series with the Atlanta Braves. So, Obviously, it was a 3-1 series loss, but they're all close games, and it did feel kind of a a little bit like some of the playoff games. Is that the impression you got from watching some of it?
1: Well, Atlanta's just a really good team, and I think they're too young to realize they're not supposed to be this good. I mean, that that can't happen. Um, and so, yes, you know, some of the things in the, in the month that – when Drew Douglas and I were doing this and now that you're doing it, it seems to rear its ugly head, the Nats offense can get stuck in neutral way too often, but, um, good. I mean, the fold david David's game was an example of look, uh, sometimes you just got to take your cap. And I think this weekend in Atlanta was one of those cases, except for defo tripling home Scherzer who can run. Oh my goodness. Can he ever run? Um, I'm not completely surprised by this result. I I think Atlanta is legit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one thing that people may have overlooked coming into this, and I absolutely would have taken a split coming into it. It didn't quite work out that way, but they were so close. And if you factor in the missing players like Ian Murphy, although that's a bit iffy at the moment, but getting a couple of those players back and they split that series and everything's fine, they go back top of the NL East.
1: Well, if you can look at Sunday's game, I mean, they had Alex
0: tripping over a bag. Is that what happened? And he, uh, yeah, it was a. I think it was a bit of a high throw. He couldn't quite land, and then pulled his hamstring. I got home late to
1: turn it on, and there was a pitcher who I had never seen before. And apparently, he threw one hundred and thirty-nine pitches in four days, and he pitched very well. Um, so, if you go with that unexpected thing, I mean, yeah, they they had a chance to even, you know, to split the series, but. Sean Kelly does what Sean Kelly does.
0: Yeah. um, In terms of my player for the series, I'm going to go with that no-name player, as you say, Jeffrey Rodriguez, who obviously he didn't expect to be coming in after one out in the game, went four and two-thirds, four hits, two walks, three strikeouts, and it's about as much as you can ask for him. We saw his electric fastball, hard curveball. He's only really on the 40-man roster, so they didn't expose him in the Rule 5 draft, uh, still at double-A. Uh, before getting called up. But, yeah, I was really impressed with him. Is there anyone that stood out to you? I would have said him or, you know,
1: um, Defoe, that big triple. You know, he's coming up with big hits in big situations. I wrote about that, actually, after the game um, (laughs) on Saturday night. Um, I see that Strasburg still hasn't solved the cramps problem yet. But you know for Rodriguez not even being major league ready i I guess I would kind of would would echo your statements on that giving a stand and deliver performance and then knowing that you're um that you're not close to ready, but when the call came, he certainly stood and delivered,
0: yeah, I think everyone would have quite happily taken what they got. I don't mm-hmm. think he gave up an earned run, so I don't that's about, right. yeah that's about as much as you can ask for and Although he had a quiet rest of the series in that uh, game on Saturday, one Soto came up huge with the home run, scored a couple runs, and he was going to be the story until uh, Mad Max did Mad Max things.
1: Do you honestly think – wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be asking the questions here. I'll ask it anyway. Do you honestly think, full rolls die hard, you know, that, uh, that Scherzer has a legitimate shot for being the MVP?
0: Absolutely. I think when the yardstick that you can compare it to is Kershaw's MVP season and so far he's doing everything that Kershaw is I don't think the bat needs to factor too much into it but to be fair if he hits 310 the whole season then you can't not factor him but even if it's just pitching what he's doing it's otherworldly especially by Max's standard so I think he does have a legit shot. And some of the other stars in the National League are faltering, like Paul Goldschmidt in Arizona would have been a candidate coming into the year. Chris Bryant isn't uh, lighting it up. He's doing well, but he's not up to his MVP standard. So his performance combined with some of the other stars having lesser performances kind of gives Max a really good shot at the MVP. Absolutely. Um, And kind of on that theme, again, it was – Starting pitching that did well, but in this one they seem to fall apart late. Strasburg, in particular, against Fultonovich—that was an incredible pitcher's duel until the seventh inning when he gave up uh, gave up the three runs. Uh, is the rotation continuing to impress? Again, we can keep talking about it being the best in the National League at the moment.
1: I think that they, I mean, if you, especially if you look at the year that Gio Gonzalez has had. He's continuing to impress with runners on base. The ZRA is what?
0: 210? Uh, I think it went up a little bit after he gave up three. I think it's about 230. Okay. Still. <laughs> mm-hmm. um,
1: it, yeah. I think they're the best rotation in the national league, um, but there are, you know, one through five, especially if Helix is healthy, um, but you can, you can have games where you just have to tip your cap. And I think, you know the Braves. You would think that Tay Rhine would be there, would be their ace, but that's not the
0: case. They've been waiting for Fulton Davis to do that, and he delivered. Yeah, yeah. We um, we saw two of their best pitches in Newcomb and Fulton Davis. They they might need a little bit more depth, but their hitting can carry them. They've scored the most runs in the National League, I think. So,
1: and, and Newcomb is pretty young too. He was a pure rookie last year.
0: Hmm. Yeah, he's um he's very good. He needs to rein in, rein in his control a little bit. But yeah, I think the Braves are going to be there at least until July, and we'll see what happens at the deadline.
1: They they may want to buy. You, I could see them buying, but uh, any team that has Freddie Freeman on it is is going to, and they're well run too. Snickers mm. a very good manager. Um, considering that they had their general manager banned from, practically banned from baseball in the winter, you know, the Braves, the Braves are the feel good story of the year.
0: Yeah. As much as we dislike the Braves, you've got to admire what they've done. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah.
0: And you, you touched on it before Sean Kelly was the victim on Sunday and it was a interesting decision to bring in someone so home run prone, um, in a one-run game, and I think that was the most baffling thing. If you bring him in in a two-run, three-run game, then the worst he can do is give up a solo home run to start off with. Uh, Is he someone – I have actually wrote about this today – is he someone that could actually be released down the road when the likes of Grace and Collins return?
1: I don't think so. Their bullpen depth – the the back end of it, of course, is very good, but – as we saw earlier in the season, it gets overworked. Um, now if they were to make a trade around the deadline to get someone and you have a general manager in Mike Rizzo who is very good at making very sneaky deals, um, they could do that. But I, I just don't see where I mean who do they have in the minors that could that could take that?
0: Well, that that's uh that's the thing. You've got Matt Grace coming back from the DL, Tim Collins coming back from paternity leave. So I think at the moment it's going to boil down to Kelly or Suero. And Suero has done pretty well, maybe not blown everyone's socks off, but he's done well enough to kind of be in that conversation. I think the other thing that's um, potentially a lesser factor, but something you've got to bear in mind is, Kelly's not going to go more than one inning at any point in time, whereas some of these guys like Matt Grace, Wonderswear, are going to be able to go two
1: innings maybe. He's not even averaging that. Up his stats of, as of Monday night, uh, 15 games, 11 and 30 innings. Uh, no record, surprisingly enough, with a four seven six ERA. But he's given up uh, four homers in those 11 innings and has a f- FIP of 6-20. Mm. Uh, yeah,
0: it's, uh, it's not
1: pretty uh, Suero averages an inning a game. I, I see Carlos Torres has was let go. I I don't know,
0: you know what they'll do with Kelly. They certainly don't want to eat any money.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, but I guess again, if you are going to lack a long man, which they've been trying to do, you need people who are going to go two innings at a time.
1: What with Collins, is that they've been using him and using him as the logie? You know, in six games, he's only thrown three in the third innings.
0: Lugie is definitely one of my favorite baseball sayings.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> it was Drew that told me actually what that meant. I laughed. Um, but yeah, I mean, but but Gott has not has not had a good year. Uh, mm. You know, Grace's ERA is actually higher than Kelly's. Mm. Isn't that you know? So there's really no. So who do you replace him with? I mean, Kelly's ERA plus is eighty six. Mm. Uh, Grace's is 81. 86 isn't terrible, it's not great as a team, though. They're 126 just because their starters are so good.
2: Hmm.
0: I think it, it's somewhere that's definitely going to be the focus of Rizzo's attention at, at the deadline. Maybe, maybe a big bat if he can go and get one. But I think the bullpen making some of these sneaky moves that always seem to pay off when you go and get the low, um, low rated reliever.
1: Well, the need you know as far as the offense is concerned it's right back to where they were at the end of April you have to start maybe it helps with Eaton and Murphy if they ever come back come back is that you have to start winning games by by wider margins you yes they played a lot better in the last month but if you're saying they're constantly in one run two run games you just you're grinding through those games and burning out your bullpen,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of relievers, uh, we're going to look ahead to the Tampa Bay Rays series. Um, oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> we're going to have a lot of fun with relievers with the Rays. Uh, but so far this season, they're twenty-eight and thirty, third in the No East, above Toronto, Baltimore. Uh, so in their last series against the Mariners to round off a West Coast trip, they were swept. They lost a thirteen-inning affair in which Mitch Haniger hit the walk-off home run. Marco Gonzalez actually outpitched Chris Archer in a 3-1 Mariners win. And then King Felix channels his old self, which I dearly miss, and my fantasy team misses, (laughs) uh, in a 2-1 win on Sunday. Um, So I think we've got to talk about the relief situation. They actually did it in all three games against the Orioles. What do you make of what they're doing? I think that Kevin
1: Cash learned a lot from (laughs) – his time under Joe Madden, he, Tampa Bay is the Montreal Expos, right down to the crappy stadium and the cheap ownership. <laughs> um, and but they get the most out of their players than than any other team, and that's what the Expos did for years and years and years. Look, you you do what you can to win. You aren't going to they aren't going to be a playoff team. The Red Sox and the Yankees have run away with a the division. They haven't run away from themselves, but they've run away from the rest of the division. you got to do what you can to be competitive. And because Tampa doesn't really want to spend any money, it's a perpetually young team. And as I said earlier with the Braves, you just don't know any better. And um, look, if it works, if you can go out there and throw your best reliever the first two winnings and, sl- and get on a good note and then go Johnny Holstaff long reliever the rest of of the game, you do what you can. Colorado kind of did the same thing a couple years ago, didn't they? I mean, they had they had a year where they didn't have a pitcher throw over 160 innings. They had no one actually qualify for an ERA title. It was Colorado, so no one was going to win the ERA <laughs> title. But, um, you know, the starters were limited to 15 to 18 batters a game. You know, I, I think eventually that's what's going to happen in baseball anyway. But if you know you're not going to win, you might as well experiment and see what you can.
0: Yeah, it's um, it has been doing all right. I think their starter, well, they're not the starters. They're the player who pitches the most innings has actually got quite a good ERA. They've had, like I so said, Ryan Yar, Yarbrough, Yarbrough um, I think Yanni Churinos had quite a bit of success in that. Um, so the player who's pitched the most innings has done quite well. So you might see a bit of it moving forward, and you do wonder if David Martinez, another student of Joe Madden's, might. Have experimented with that with Jeremy Hellickson potentially, maybe have a reliever go the first three batters to face the, the most difficult players in the lineup and then pitch Hellickson from that point onwards, where the batters he faces the third time through first will be the worst hitters in the lineup.
1: Right. You know, and it's also interesting that they've, you know, a lot limited Hellickson to only facing the first 18 hitters, hmm. no matter what his pitch count is. And sometimes you look at it and go, well, why'd you yank him after? so-and-so pitches but you know the numbers will tell you something right there and uh as again as i look through you know yarborough yarborough is four and two of a three three eighty ra hmm. throwing 53 innings um kind of hard vendors is the uh pitch you can throw with both hands
0: right uh no you're thinking of pat vendetti vendetti okay i know begin with a b he is an area under one hmm. yeah um, i remember him being um I remember, I remember the debate way back when, when it was between Venters and Kimbrell for the Braves' closer role. That's right. Um, Sergio Romo is near a six. He's the one who's been starting most of the games. I wonder if Kevin Cash is just going for the record to go, I've had the, most play, I've had the player start the most games pitching. I win.
1: Uh, it's Evaldi who pitches tomorrow, and that's weird because it's a two-game set, and then it's the uh, day game after a night game. Hmm. Um, so I don't know who's going to pitch. Uh, the. Yeah, it's,
0: it's still TBD, and I think they are going to go with this weird opener concept with Sergio Romo would be my guess based on um, how they pitched in the Mariner series. That's wild. At least they avoid Blake Snell in this 2 three, six ERA. Great name. Um, so do you have any particular players to watch? I know that Nationals fans have one in particular. I'm going to let you say it. Because
1: I'm nice. Oh, yeah, even I know that one. It's Wilson Ramos, the Buffalo, who was coming back as a has done a good job as a catcher. He's hitting 301, 7 homers and 29 RBI. OPS plus a 125. Um, he's come all the way back from his torn ACL. Uh to be very good for them, and I'm sure does well handling all those pitchers. He was good with the staff in Washington and this is his first time back in D.C. as a healthy player since tearing his ACL after a rain delay in a meaningless game against the Arizona Diamondbacks.
0: Yeah, I think he's going to get a massive round of applause from those there on Tuesday. And so who are you looking forward to see? Uh, I want to see Eovoldi, actually, who you touched on before. He's, um, I remember he was a really highly regarded prospect I think it was with the Marlins, and then he had a, a year or two with the Yankees, and uh, mm-hmm. he threw six innings of no-hit ball on uh, in his debut, got the big fastball that sometimes gets up to 100, kind of sits at 98-99, so I'm really interested to see what he'll do. He could be another Tampa Bay Rays reclamation special, um, and maybe they deal him at the deadline. There's quite a few teams that need a starting pitcher, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what he's got, but he's going up against Max Scherzer, and I don't envy that. <laughs> the lasting
1: sound image of the year, baby Scherzer whooping
0: it up as, after he scored. I, was, um, I remember I was looking at the uh, the pictures for the article and the recap, and I was actually scared looking at Max Scherzer's picture in the dugout afterwards. It was terrifying.
1: I've, I've been around baseball. A long, long time, and he may be the most competitive person I've ever seen firsthand. Mm. Um, you know, you if you hear stories of Don Drysdale and Bob Gibson, and I certainly saw enough of Tom Seaver and all that. But, uh, you know, you you don't worry about how much money that Scherzer's going to make because he'd go out there and run through brick walls for nothing, which is what he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, good luck to the Braves on, on Tuesday.
0: Yeah, um, and I think one of the other hitters that I'm interested to see is Matt Duffy, who's been probably their hottest hitter in the last 30 days, 321 average, 788 OPS. Uh, he was acquired in the Matt Moore deal a few years ago, which seems to have been a bit lopsided given Matt Moore's struggles with the Giants.
1: Yeah, CJ Cron's had a pretty good year for them too. These are OPS Besides Wilson Ramos, who leads the team in OPS plus, Cron their DH, which I don't know if he'll play the field or not because we're in the National League Park, of course.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I think he got. Um, I think he got hit by a pitch on Sunday, so they don't know whether he's going to play. Oh,
1: I just saw that up there. Let the previous game to a right forearm contusion, and it is undetermined whether if he will participate in Tuesday's contest against the Nationals.
0: Yeah, I think there may. They may play it safe with Crone with the off day on Thursday as well.
1: That's true. And without the DH, you certainly don't want to be in the field.
0: Hmm. Uh, are there any nationals that you're interested to see during this series? Aside from Max? Well, I think that, that's the <laughs> obvious
1: answer every single <laughs> time. Um, you know, I'm amazed in the month or so that I've been away, just how much that Trey Turner has matured even more as a fielder. Yeah, great series against the Braves in the field. You know, he still does the jump, the jump throw, which always scares you half to death. I'm determined to
0: call him crisscross.
2: Is that (laughs) that where that comes from? (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: And so, you know, he really, I really wish that he would be a star outside of DC. Now, obviously, two games against the Rays isn't going to change that, but uh, I just love watching him play.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you think he could be a, an all-star, if not a starter, for the National League?
1: I don't know if he can get the votes to be a starter, um, but he certainly ha- deserves to be an all-star.
0: Yeah, I think the, the others in the conversation are going to be Brandon Crawford and Trevor Story. So that's going to be, I think Brandon Crawford might be the best at getting votes, but I think Trey Turner deserves to be there on merit.
1: Yeah, I'm does, and if not, it may be one of those cases like they did a couple of years ago with Wilson Ramos mm. and tried to vote vote him in. I'd be very surprised if he wasn't representing the Nationals in D.C.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And the left side of the infield is so special.
0: Yeah. Uh, and on the topic of defense, I'm interested to see what Michael Taylor can do. I was um, We've all had this inside joke over the last week or two about – uh, about me and Michael Taylor. Uh, but he's been staying hot recently with a 292 average over the last seven days, 912 OPS and four steals, who finally seems to be coming along at the plate, albeit the Babith is about 400. So that's probably not sustainable. No. Um, but,
1: you know, he had the walk off win, which was big for him. And what struck me about that was he didn't smile. <laughs> As they're pounding him, he's kind
2: of.
0: I think he he, he said after the game, it was just relief. I'm sure
2: it was.
1: Uh, And when he finally connected last year, he was quite a productive player. I mean, he earned that center field position, hmm. you know, coming into this year. And then he struggled again. Um, But I think it was, I think because the offense as a whole has not produced at where anyone would like them to be, I think they all press a bit. I think Taylor can do that too. But if he can start to relax his defense, is good. Mm. If he could just keep it up. Be curious to see what they do though um with Eaton when he comes back because he's doing some center field in in his rehab spot. Uh, you've seen the team more closely, obviously, in the last month. The bits of Soto I've seen hasn't been great in left field, but you know, he's not Wilmer Defoe out there either. You know, is is he sustainable in left field or is this going to be Soto like a fourth or fifth outfielder? Because Goodwin's now back too. Brian Goodwin's back.
0: So I think Soto will manage in left field. He just had a few rookie mistakes. And I guess in left field, you couldn't shy away from that. I think it's an upgrade on Jason Worth defensively. I'll say that much. Um, But then if you've got Harper in right. Jason Worth defensively in left field. (laughs) Uh, but, yeah, I think if you've got Soto in left and Harper in right, if you have to put Eaton in center a lot, then it's – I think Eaton's an average center fielder. He's not going to be better, but he's not going to be worse. So I don't know. And I think that's what's going to keep Michael Taylor on the roster, whether he's starting every game is another matter. But I think no matter what, Taylor has a roster spot with his gold glove defense.
1: Yeah, but they need Eaton's bat. They, they need that, that spark plug.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, as I said earlier, they have to take the pressure off the bullpen to be holding one or two run leads every night.
0: Yeah. Um, and then on the on the bullpen, see, so you, you're giving me these transitions beautifully. Uh, <laughs> I think I've
1: done this before.
0: <laughs> um, I want to talk about Justin Miller, who uh, was huge in that extra inning winning win on Saturday with three yeah. perfect innings out of the bullpen, and that was more than we could have asked for. I think he's still got a zero ERA at the moment. And you wonder if he's ticketed for a high leverage role, potentially.
1: You keep pitching like that, you're going to get high leverage roles just because you don't have much of a choice in the matter. Because the tendency before was just to overuse people. We talked a little bit about this with Kelly. Okay, who do you replace? If you get rid of him, who do you replace him with? You know, and so, yes. If you just, just like anything else, if you give me something when I put you out
0: there and you give me something, I'm going to use you again. <laughs> yeah, especially for three innings. And I've been really impressed with the, the movement he's had on his breaking pitches. I think his fastball's sitting at 93, 94, which is okay. But then having the funny arm angle, people seem to just be misreading the slider. And that's what's been racking up the K's for him.
1: Well it's a kid, you know, it's, it doesn't really matter how I mean, obviously it's good to throw hard, but it all depends on what kind of movement you have on your pitches. Mm. And if he can kind of confuse people with with how the ball moves, then 93, 94 is just fine. Mm. 97 and flat just lands you in someone's
0: beer. <laughs> Uh, so now we're going to look ahead to each of the matchups individually. I think we we touched on the first one. Max Scherzer against Nathan Eavoldi, Tuesday at 7.05 Eastern. Max Scherzer already on nine wins, 9-1 nine with a one nine two ERA. Nathan Eavoldi, 1-0, 0-0 oh, ERA. Uh, how do you see this one going? Anytime
1: you have a potential pitcher's duel, it's a 10-9 game. <laughs> <laughs> We talked about this before, you know. Oh yeah, gonna be a great pitcher's duel. It's seventeen to fourteen. The Redskins have the ball with thirty seconds left. <laughs> Look, you know, Scherzer is in the conversation now, because, especially with Kershaw's victory. That he's not only the best pitcher in baseball, he's probably the best pitcher in baseball over a five-year period. You know, it, I mean, we're talking about him being the MVP. I mean, I think it's a. Uh, you go back to what we talked about back and before the season started. You know, we thought this was going to be Strasburg's year to win the sign. No, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I mean, when you when you're uh, pitcher of the month in April and pitcher of the month of May, um, this is Pete Scherzer,
2: and I,
1: and I. This is this is the type of guy that can go out there and throw an at a o hitter and give a notice. Tampa's is not that bad, mm-hmm. but uh, Scherzer Scherzer coming home after. The, oh, that went on saturday yeah i you know good luck
0: nate <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think um it's it's just you lose words for how special it is watching him pitching um one thing i was thinking and i kind of want to bounce off you unexpectedly at what point did he go from potentially hall of fame to future hall of famer that he is now with certainty <sighs>
1: He had such a good first half of last year uh, when Ricky Keeler, our good friend Ricky Keeler and I would, would do these after the games. Um, that's when our friend Judo Joker came up with a word of bachelor. And it just seems to fit because he would go out there. And even though that he wasn't expected to go nine innings, he would go out there and give you a hundred, 110 pitches. He'd throw 75 to 80 strikes. Um, he'd grunt his way through. He'd stalk around the mound in the second inning, and you knew that this was this was not typical. Um, and then he got—I believe it was around Mother's Day—when he was hit in the leg by a line drive, and he Atlanta lit him up in his next start, and then he pitched well, and then got hit again. And so, when you knew that Strasburg or um, Scherzer, especially towards the end of the year, forget Game Five because. The more I look at it, Dusty Baker mismanaged that game completely. Scherzer pitched at 95, 95% of Scherzer pitching when he was injured, especially with the bad neck of that. And he was still better than only, – only Strasburg was better on the team, and there might have only been two or three pitchers better in all of baseball. So uh, an injured Scherzer was still better than 95% of the starters who took the mound. Hmm. And, yeah, that's all the fame stuff. I mean, he goes out there and gr- gridded his way through. We see he is such a gamer. He he wants the ball and he's smart about it, Blake. You know, even in games that you think, okay, my God, is he gonna throw 140 pitches? And you go through, you've seen enough of those games. He'll go out there and strike out six in the first three innings, and he's had 50 pitches, 60 pitches through. Like, how in the world is he gonna get six innings out of this? And then he'll change and become that contact pitcher. Hmm. Contact card. You look up at the sixth inning and go, "Wait, he just went through those nine hitters <laughs> on two pitches." Yeah, uh, uh, one of the last games I did before before you came up before you became the the head was out in Los Angeles, and that was another one of the perfect example. It was a, up against the lot and yeah. He, you know, he he adjusts better on the fly than anyone else I think in baseball today, hmm. and so yes, those are the things that that make him a hall of famer. Yeah, and you know, a fourth Cy Young come November, unless he falls apart, will cement that. You know, I think at this point, you know, what are his counting stats?
0: Does he? What's his win total? Uh, I think he he got two hundred last year. Okay,
1: so you know that he's going to get 250, which is the oh, money. No, he got,
0: got 150.
1: Okay, so you figure he's he will get 250
2: hmm.
1: if he stays healthy. 3,000 strikeouts is a given. Um, that may happen in what 2020? He's at 2269. So that's okay. I don't know, maybe 20 years, three or four because he's not gonna strike out 300 a year. Um,
0: well, at this rate.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so by 2022 or 2023, you know he'll be pushing on 200 wins. He'll have 3,000 strikeouts. I really think he could push 3,500 before his career is done, with an e- with an ERA that is outstanding for the era. Hmm. You know, I mean, strikeouts are so high they're kind of devalued. Um, but you can't devalue anything that he does, and he throws with such control too. So yeah, I would I would say probably last year was the year that put him in. Because he, because if you look at his, if you just opened up his baseball reference page, and looked at those numbers, you would have known that he pitched the second half of last. He pitched coming off a broken finger <laughs> two years ago to the to the neck, and obviously there were some
0: leg issues coming down the stretch. Hmm. Uh, I don't think I have to guess which way you're going to go in this game, then.
1: Ovaldi throws a note. No, sure, no, sir.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think it will be a pitcher still, and with the Nets struggling offense against Aivaldi, who did look good in his last start, but it's too too difficult to bet against Max. Even when we get um some of the other experts from some of the other teams, they still can't they physically can't bet against Max. No. No. He he right now is the best pitcher in the game. Yeah. He he'll lose games, but He'll lose so few that you can't bet against him. Right. The ZRA is, as I said, it's under two. Hmm. Uh, so, second up, we have Tanner Roark against the dreaded TBD, who we think is going to be one of these one, two inning openers on Wednesday at 105. Tanner Roark, two and six with a 3 2 1 ERA. And has his performance been going underrated with the Max Scherzer, Strasbourg, and even Gio having an excellent year? Well,
1: you know, I, I think he came into the year with the most to prove after the, how he was perceived as a bad pitcher last year. And again, second half, he was a t- totally different pitcher than the first half. Um, He's a gamer. They're all gamers. There's no, there's no one in that rotation that I wouldn't want But say, geez, I don't want that pitcher pitching for me. And he's a perfect case of, you'd say a 3-2-1 ERA? Yeah. It just goes, shows how you know a win-loss record just doesn't mean anything.
0: Yeah, we've uh, we've had quite a few of these pitches on, especially like Alex Wood was 0 4 with a three ERA for the Dodgers.
1: Right, got to have run support. Again, this is a case of he's pitching well enough to win games, but if you're not giving him runs, then you can't win. Uh, I was curious because he was used in relief Saturday or was or was Saturday. the weekend Sunday. Um, didn't throw a lot of pitches, but. Um, there were Bob and FP kind of lost around it because Bob and FP don't really hit all that hard. So I'll be, I'm curious to see how he'll do Um, coming off throwing hmm. pictures in anger on three days rest. But it's going to be better than the uh, giant Holstaff pitching for the, for the <laughs> Rays.
0: Yeah, I think it was just essentially a normal bullpen. At the very least, I think he threw about nine, ten pitches.
1: Um, it wasn't overly stressed. It wasn't like he was used for four or five innings.
0: Yeah. Um, and obviously, that walk-off home run from Charlie Culberson gives me a time to say he's got eight career home runs, four of them are walk-off home runs, which is the most bizarre stat ever.
1: I've used this for- before. I may have used this with you. Uh, Charlie Culberson was the last man to hit at Dodger Stadium in, in Vin Scully's career.
0: Yeah, Yep. Everyone, everyone sees that on the uh, during this break in the action. Here's a popular oh, oh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> from mlb.com <laughs> what's in your wallet Blake? <laughs> some rb gyros or something <laughs> um, other fast food is available uh so it's, uh, it's we've, talk, we've talked about this we've talked about this opener again um do you see this one going to Tanner Roark again? It's going to be a bit weird, even though they've had some success with it.
1: Again, it's a case of what the offense does.
0: Um,
1: You can get away with giving max little run support, even though they do support him quite well. Um, You know, this offense has to find a way to, to string runners together. And maybe now with, we still we expecting Eaton back for the series or no? He can't yeah, he can come back on the eighth. So it would be the weekend yeah. in San Francisco. Two
0: on the eighth, yeah. Um
1: that's a, that's the thing. And when you look at the numbers for, for Washington, they're still very blotchy on offense.
2: Mm.
1: Um yeah, I mean if Aurora if can get you six or seven, you still have a chance. <laughs> but uh, the whole staff games, you're just kind of throwing the white flag. Mm. Be honest. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd, I like wa- I like Washington's chances, but that that could be. It
0: feels like one of the games that they would lose this season.
1: It's one of the ones that last that last year when Ricky and I would chat before a game.
2: What is Dusty doing? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> type deals. I mean, that's when people get. Unexpected people get rest and all that I mean mm-hmm. it's very interesting that they would do um to do the the day game after a night game after a day off on a two game set so
0: yeah i I think I'll back the nationals with grit of teeth again I don't like picking sweeps um but I think I'm allowed in a two game set
1: yeah you know two game set i don't have a problem with it um yeah i will i I'll, I'll fit the nationals
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll both do it through gritted teeth. Right. Um, so, onto our one listener question, we had Kevin Wood ask about: Is Wilson Ramos a realistic trade target for the Nationals?
1: Before Weeders got hurt again, I thought the catcher was actually settled. Um, you know, and before we don't really know what Hallixon's steel is. I mean, the two weak spots that they had coming into the year. Had solved themselves over the course of play of the season. Um, I think they would love to have Wilson Ramos back. Uh, I'm not sure if he's a player on won a rent, though. Mm. And then again, you still have Weedra's contract to pay off. <laughs> um, maybe maybe they do some sort of swap, but that would mean that
0: Tampa would have to take somebody. I think the one key thing here is that Severino does have an option left. And if they feel that they can upgrade at capture in the short term, they could option option Severino when Wieters comes back. Obviously, he's not been performing to his high standard lately. The defense is still there, obviously. But if you can get Ramos at the right price, I can see how it makes sense because then you don't lose any players. You can just option Severino, let him come up next year, who's – Obviously, proven to be at the very least the backup catcher of the
1: future. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Gosh, I think it would depend on what Tampa would want for him. Mm. Um, You know, if if it's if it's any real prospect, no. Um, But I could see them kicking the tires. I mean, and I think it'd be very popular.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I think people have been advocating it for a while well, uh the one the one thing is uh when they sold alex Cologne and denard what well, say sold traded alex Cologne and denard span they gave up andrew moore and tommy romero who haven't they're not massively regarded prospects i think span only has one year but you get cologne for this year and next year if i'm right so yeah. maybe their price isn't going to be that high for ramos um and kind of to expand on that, if they could get, say, Chris Archer, who's having a down year, if, uh, if Helixson... Well, I don't think it's going to be a serious injury, but if something develops down the line that you're going to miss Roark for an extended period, Helixson for an extended period, then that could make it worth it, get both of them.
1: You, yeah, because... Um, I like what I've seen of Fetty this year. Um, yes. You need that. You need that if if the Helixon injury is actually um, disableable for a while. That's not even a word. Um, if it's a lingering injury, then yes, that puts them in the market for a fifth starter.
0: Yeah. And I yeah. think I think they showed interest in Archer in the offseason until, or at least before they signed Helixon. So maybe
1: well, the is a bit. Certain roly poly rider from Burlington, Vermont has been heavily on the Archer case since he started two years ago. <laughs> they don't listen to me. So I, I think Archer would be a very good pickup. Um, mm. But I think the Nats have to be real careful on who they give up for prospects because you, what the, the, the question a month ago was, okay, what happens if heart price, heart leaves and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, that Robles is the real deal when his elbow healthy. And I think everyone is just excited as I'll get out about what Juan Zoto can bring to this team. Mm. Um, You know, so they've done, they don't have a, but they don't have a lot of pitching depth in the minor leagues. Yeah. Um, We'll see what what they do in
0: the draft. Yeah, I I think uh, they're at the 11th pick as we record.
1: Okay. Um, Which is all 17-year-olds you've been watching the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think all the talk has been of take, taking a potential high school right-hander from um, what I've seen. Um, so, yeah, if they can improve that, maybe someone like Will Crow, who we spoke to, could be a nice trade piece. He's got 6-0 and o so far. He's not the, the highly regarded prospect that Feddy is, who everyone expects Feddy to step in um, and kind of deal some of those those prospects in the five to 10, 12 range. And then you can go and get the likes of Ramos on a, on a rental and maybe Chris Archer. Considering how rocky his
1: short history has been, would you consider Seth Romero? Uh,
0: I would deal him if the, (laughs) (laughs)
1: um, because he would be eligible to be traded. He'll have been with the organization a year.
0: Oh, they've scrapped that rule now. Oh, they have. Yeah, I remember um, that was what stopped the Nats getting Trey Turner. But then when uh, when the Diamondbacks traded Swanson, that rule was out of play because I think they dealt him that offseason.
1: You know, would you would you give up on Romero that early and say Tampa? He's your problem now.
0: Well, I think I think Will Crow coming along and probably overtaking him in the prospect stakes as would help you justify that, and maybe Tampa Bay go well,
1: we'll take a chance on him, and if right. it works out, we get a potential ace. Yeah, I, I can see that. It'll be so interesting to see what, what they do. But, um, you know, they, they, they traded most of their pitching prospects for Adam Eaton. Mm. Um, you know, I I wouldn't go overboard for Ramos. Um, you know, catcher's not supposed to be a heavy offensive. You know, I'll take the defense. I mean, Mike Piazza was the exception. Chill Mauer were the exceptions, not the rule. Rules for what you expect from a catcher. Mm. Um, what little I've seen of Kiboom, I think he's fine as a backup. And uh, you know Severino. Severino has not played a lot of games overall in his career
0: at any level. At some point, he's going to be hitting a wall
1: mm. offensively. So,
0: yeah, I, it's something that it's too soon to predict. I think. Yeah. I think you have to wait and see at least at the All Star break. And I'm like, the- to, yeah, um, I, you
1: know, I, I, I,
0: if do they need a catcher to get past
1: Atlanta? No. Do they need a catcher to win a playoff series? Remember the year that Ramos went down, it was Severino and Jose Fua Lobatone that, that caught that series, and they mm-hmm. both did quite well. In that no. five-game series, you can't say, "Oh, it was it was Lobato, man, that cost us that." No, it was running at Wilmer Defoe to face Kershaw in the bottom <laughs> of the ninth
0: inning. Um, I don't think you can blame Wilmer Defoe <laughs> when you face Kershaw.
1: Right, you know, and this, this was this wasn't Defoe with a full year and a half playing experience. This was Wilmer Defoe. It's like, so you're the twenty-fifth man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's ideal. Um, y- you know, I I think if they if they if they could upgrade it. With Ramos, I think it'd be very popular. Mm. But I could see yeah. that. I think bullpen is probably going to be their bigger
0: priority. Yeah. Uh, so I think that wraps us up this week. I want to say thanks to Ron for joining me. And where can our listeners find you if uh, they've been living under a rock or living away from District on Deck for the last like year and a half?
1: Well, you can find me at Ron Duckett on Twitter. And I'm very happy to be back as, as just a contributing writer to District on Deck.
0: Yeah. Uh, so remember to check out some of our content. Ron actually produced his first, like oh, 536th article for District on Deck on Wilma Defoe and his impact in the short and long term, if you want to give the listeners a teaser to that.
1: Yeah, I wrote about that. You know, I think that the, the, the Nats have a very hard decision to make at the end of this year with what they're going to do with Daniel Murphy. Who was a free agent and who hasn't been healthy? Um, and I think the more the Defoe plays and produces, I, I think that I would not be surprised if they let Murph walk, and and Defoe be their opening day second baseman in, in 2018, 2019 kind <laughs> of like for twenty eighteen. <laughs> but you know, especially how he's played with a with after the Howie Kendrick industry, in, injury, and in, in the month that I wasn't with the site, uh, you know, he he has really. F- Found his rhythm because Drew and I were talking about bef- beforehand about hey, he's going to get sent down. He wasn't doing anything defensively. He wasn't doing anything offensively. And now he's kind of – now that when I left, he f- found his groove. Hopefully, he won't notice I'm back.
0: <laughs> we won't tell him. Shh. <laughs> uh, and then also uh, on site that went up on Monday – uh, I looked at the top ten all-time nationals dra- first-round draft picks, which was quite interesting. Looking back, obviously there's only been 17 picks that have actually signed, so the bottom end of that was a bit slim pickings. But let me guess, fair. Ryan Zimmerman. <laughs> he might be somewhere near the top. Maybe I don't know. It was a tough Six or call. seven, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then remember to make sure to check us out Tuesday morning. Hopefully, when you're all listening to us for the draft reaction from the first two rounds. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at District On Deck. Give us a like on Facebook, District On Deck. Follow us on Spreaker, the new home of the Dogcast. You can download the app and download episodes. Uh, you can also subscribe on iTunes and Google Play now, getting episodes Ooh, automatically downloaded. You are certainly working it, Blake. <laughs> this, uh, this little line at the end for follow Spree has gen- kind of gradually got longer as the season's gone on.
1: I know when, my, when you went on the coast and I filled in on those shows
0: for you before I left, I just cut and pasted what you did there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll be, we'll be back on Thursday before the Giants come to Next Park. And we actually have another British accent for you, albeit a Welsh one. So I don't know whether that's That's right. mm-hmm. supposed <laughs> to be a talk about the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll see you next time.